The FM Evolution podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. And, you know, and some people in the custodial space, as an example, experience 300% turnover a year. And that's actually probably only increased under the COVID period because, to be honest, hourly wages have gone up at a rapid pace, right? And, and for the first time in history, the hourly employee has leverage over, over management in terms of wage determination and, and price point, right? This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the evolution. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and dig-ups. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember to call CGP. They are ready to be on-site 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they are a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today at 858-454-7326 or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution. Welcome back to another show. Uh, and I'm super excited today to be talking about this topic. Um, what, one of the greatest challenges really facing facility management today uh, and professionals working in that field, and in fact, most people in the workforce, uh, is that you know they have to keep up with all the, the changes that's happening in the workforce. And you know today we're talking with uh, Chris Bunch over at Pride Industries and, about virtually untapped resource for the labor market. And everyone kind of knows. We're in a labor crunch right now. It's it's hard. The labor uh, is there's a shortage of it essentially, and so um, today's a great day because we're going to be talking how to tap into a resource that I think a lot of people miss. Uh, hey, Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. Look forward to today's discussion. <laughs> me too, my friend. Me too. Uh, Chris, as a way of kind of getting started, um, for those who don't know about Pride Industries and yourself, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do and and, uh, and maybe something someone won't know about Pride if they've never heard of you guys. All right. Well, uh, Pride Industries, uh, we've been around since 1966. We started out in the basement of a church in St. Luke's Episcopal Church there in Auburn, California, with a group of parents that were trying to find a way to help their uh, developmentally disabled children find a meaningful path for their lives and, and employment and purpose. Wow. Uh, we've grown drastically since that time into what was really one of the first expressions of a true social enterprise in the workforce beginning in 1980s under the leadership of uh, our then CEO, Mike Ziegler. Um, and today we have nearly 6,000 employees. 60% of those are individuals with disabilities that are at a level that create barrier to employment. And uh, we are the largest employer, nonprofit employer, people with disabilities in the United States. Um, wow. My journey with Pride, uh, it started before I ever worked with them. Uh, 
You know, I, I joined the Air Force in 1998, and they shipped me to California to where my first meal was served to me by Pride Industries at the food sur- at the the Chow Hall there at Travis Air Force Base. Wow. Yeah, I uh, went to work at, at my shop there, and uh, right next door, Pride has a paint and sign shop. They mowed the grass there for the base. So, <laughs> so my journey with Pride and my familiarity started with them well back in in, in the late '90s, and then uh, eventually, uh, as I transitioned out of the Air Force, went into the private sector. Eventually, I came over in 2011 to be part of their their facilities management uh, organization. Uh, so that is crazy, man. What an awesome yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, my story is not unique to a lot of people that, uh, that are in the organization. There's several of us that, uh, our familiarity of pride started with our service in the military, uh, among our, our, our heart for people with disabilities, a great heart for the veteran community as well. So, uh, it's a great story. It's a great organization. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's great to be part of a team that uh, you're not just there to provide an outstanding service delivery. You're out there to have a social impact on somebody's life. So it's really it's cool, a good man. Thing. I didn't know that about the Air Force with you. Thank you, thank you for your service, man. That's awesome. Uh, there seems to be a really cool correlation with people in the service and facility management. I mean, it's a great fit, it seems to me. It is, uh, you know, kind of digressing just a little bit into that, you know, the the military at large, you know, has it has the largest infrastructure of facilities in the world. Yeah. A lot of FM concepts, asset management, some of the things core to what we all do, right, have their foundation in, in how the military looks at it. Uh, and, and so it gives you a it's a great crossover uh, between FM and DOD for sure. That's awesome. And I agree with you. I've had several people on uh, that are in the service or transition from the service to facility management. And, and it seems to be a really an, an obvious path. I mean, the, the, the skill translation is, is spot on. So, um, but today we're going to be talking about pride in there, you know, what you guys do and really kind of solving this problem that, uh, or, or trying to solve a problem that a lot of people are experiencing right now. And you guys offer, uh, you know, a really great way of doing that. Uh, we have kind of a tradition, though. I want to kind of ask you, we have a core belief uh, in education. Uh, you know, the, the podcast really is kind of edutainment. And mm-hmm. so I, I like to understand what people are reading. You know, for us, we believe that leaders are readers. And, and uh, you certainly fall into that category. I'd, I'd love to know uh, what you're reading right now, man. Well, uh not one I'm reading right now, but one that I would certainly suggest to anybody in the Perfect. organizational world is uh, Jack Walsh's Good to Great, right? And, yes. and it really correlates to any industry you're in, um, but it really helps organizations focus on being the best in whatever they choose to do. And if you don't want to choose to be the best, then maybe it's not something you should be doing, right? Yes. And uh, <laughs> I think that that serves as a great decision-making matrix, you know, because there's plenty of good ideas, but how many great ideas, right? Yep. And, and you got to focus to be a well-disciplined organization. You got to focus on what it is, what's great and necessary, as opposed to what's good and convenient, right? So love that book, man. It's a great book. It's a great yeah. recommendation. I haven't talked about that book for a while. It's such yeah. A good book. It's it's not necessarily new, 
but uh, you know, uh, definitely an individual made his mark on the industry all over. And uh, those lessons are as real today as they were at the time yeah. he wrote them and implemented them. So be so great, man, that they can't ignore you. I love that. Yeah. It's just, you know, go do it, make it, make it amazing. That's awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. Great. Uh, okay. So hopping into this, uh, I, I had to prepare a little bit because I gotta be honest, I didn't know a lot about this, which I, I think that's not uncommon. And I think that's right. one of the challenges that we're kind of facing. Um, so one of the things I kind of hopped into and I found, I'm like, According to there's a, a study international or a rehabilitation international, over 75 percent of adults with disabilities are unemployed or underemployed uh, in the United States alone. That number far exceeds like other countries worldwide. What are you seeing in the marketplace right now? Is this is this accurate? Like, is this really how it is out there? I actually I would say that the market today, not only is that not improved, but it's more challenging under the COVID wow. environment. Right. Uh, yeah. COVID environment has made that challenge even greater than it was previously. Um, at the same time, though, I will say that there there's growing advocacy within the the, the yeah. social movers out there in the world, like Disability In, and the message is getting stronger. the 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 barriers don't necessarily haven't eroded to the to the at the rate we would hope they would. Yeah. But uh, so so it's kind of a it's kind of a dual story there. So <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. And I like, I looked at, at that statistic and I, I, I just had no idea, honestly. I mean, it makes sense, it just, it just, but you just don't think it's something you don't think about every day. Um, I, I, here's what I do know. I mean, companies right now are struggling, right? Uh, the, the workforce that we have is aging and aging out and retiring. And there's a lot of competition for um, new employees or even people who have experience, who know what's going on, just filling those positions is becoming more and more and more competitive, right? So it seems to me like there's some opportunity there to really kind of tap into this resource. Right, absolutely. And, you know, it really starts with perspective. Perspective as an employer, perspective as uh, as someone trying to to resolve this problem for their organizations. And really it requires that you look at things from a, from a lens of possibility, rather from a lens of, of what's a challenge. Right. And, uh, and so when you, when you think about the workforce uh, of disabled people that have barriers to employment, you really are, you're trying to figure out how can I make a person successful in the role I need? And that's where organizations, not just Pride, but other organizations like us are coming in, trying to help coach organizations. Uh, we fundamentally try to resolve this problem for organizations in three ways. Um, one, we have our staffing model, which under that model, we will come in, we will recruit, train, not only the recruit and train the employee and staff them into your organization, but we'll also provide support and training for your organization to help ensure that those folks are successful long-term and that your organization is successful in doing it as well. Uh, and then there's the more direct direct uh, placement rehab model, which is, mm. is slightly different, uh, but where we'll place individuals in um, and, and with a much higher degree of support in, the, in those instances. And then there's the model in which I operate, um, which in which we're actually providing you a service. 
at a competitive, it, it, we compete against people within that don't have a social mission all day long. And fundamentally, we're there to provide a high, high value, high quality service delivery for you in the FM world. Uh, that also includes some manufacturing, logistics, and other things. Yeah. But, uh, and that's truly where the, the meat and potatoes of the social enterprise come out, right? So, yes. All things being equal, if you can get what you need for your organization, meet your bottom line needs, because it still comes down to the same things for every FM, right? Budgets and needs, right? And, and, and so one of the things and one of the biggest messages that we hope to get out is don't look at this as a charity. Look at this as achieving your same goals for the same value, but at the same time receiving the social impact that helps not only these individuals, but helps your organization grow and in its social merit as well. So so smart, man. When you really honestly think about trying to to bridge that gap and 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 yeah. where you can get uh, you know really great dedicated employees, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a no brainer. Honestly, yeah. it's it's a win win for me. I, the way I look at it, um, there was something that's staggering that I was looking at. Uh, I was looking at a study by the Ruderman Foundation. And it says roughly 4 billion people worldwide have some kind of disability. Um, and that was equi- that equates to 80% of all working adults. Yes. And, and, staggering. It is staggering. It's staggering. And, and in some ways, you know, some of those disabilities are, are things that are unseen and unknown to the, to the employer. The, they go on, they, they meet the definition of it, and people don't even realize it because it requires no accommodation for, for yeah. the individual, right? And then, but on average, the, the cost of an accommodation for somebody that has a, a more, a, a disability that's creating a barrier, is about $500, $500. <laughs> On average, and and think about this for a second, and and because when it comes to workforce retention and turnover, right, you know, because to your point earlier, right, we're all in a hot competition market, right? Yes. And when when you create an inclusive environment for a person with disabilities in, and whether it's as part of a service delivery or part of your organization, right, there, there's a higher sense of bonding that happens, right? Mm. Because individuals have been accommodated, they've found a way to be successful in it, and they're not chasing money as much as other folks because here they, they found a place to where they've been brought in and in truly included. And, and that's one of the things that we see within the disabled workforce is really that, that loyalty to the company, loyalty to the organization, loyalty to where they are. And, uh, and it transfers the other way around. You know, uh, we have employees that have worked for clients that we serve for over 20 years. They become part wow. of the culture. They're part of the customer experience. And, and it adds a sense of joy to not just the organization, but the customers they service, right? Because I, I think it takes a special kind of person not to feel good when, when you've been helped by somebody with a disability to see them be successful and, and it, it really helps increase the customer experience just as much as it does the social impact for that individual. So I agree. I agree. I, I, I just think that's such a, it's such a cool thing to be able to do. And, and, and the numbers out there are like, it's, they're staggering. Yeah. There's so many people that can be employed. Um, how do 
employers like shift and how do they start employing this workforce? Like where do they start? Well, I I think it comes, you know, within the work environment, obviously there is a social push for all things diversity, right? And I think the first part starts is recognizing that people with disabilities are part of that diversity equation just as much as any other, any other group. And I'll just add this to say disabilities are the least, uh, exclusive when it comes to any group of people, right? So you you can target a group of people with disabilities and almost hit all your other diversity metrics <laughs> by, by virtue of it, right? <laughs> and, and so it really becomes an awareness and an identification that this is a group just as any other diversity group and, and making it part of your social cause, right? The second part of that is, is that once you've identified that as an organization, now you need to find partners that can help you do that. And obviously, being brand loyal, I'd say Pride Industries is the one here to do that for you. We're the biggest in the in the in the U.S. in doing it. Um, but there's lots of good organizations around around the country doing the right thing. And and I want to make sure that it, I say this for the for the listeners' benefit is Pride's vision is an inclusive workforce for all people with disabilities. And that extends beyond the boundaries of our company. That that's a that's a goal and a vision for the world, not just for us, right? So so any time that we can see people be successful in this, it, it's a win for our cause, whether it's us or somebody else, right? So so that would be the two things, right? Is one recognizing the need and identifying it within your diversity metrics, within your procurement metrics, and everything else. And then secondly, is finding organizations that can help you do this successfully. I love their passion, man. Yeah. I get fired up when I talk to people like you. You know, you're doing something that is, uh, it's, you're on a mission, man. And yeah. it feels so good. And you know, you know, it's, it's just uh, a greater purpose, greater good. Yeah. I, I, and uh, I de- it makes going to work easier. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah. I tell people coming into Pride, and, and I mean this, from the bottom of my heart, there's two places I've worked in my work in my life where you truly are bonded to your mission, right? And one was obviously well as in the U.S. Air Force. You know yep. why you're there. You know what you're doing, and you know what your part in it is, and for the for the overall mission. And Pride is the only place that I've worked since that that has that same sense of mission, esprit de corps, and and it it really makes even when the when the Things are challenging, right? It's kind of a rallying cry and a centering, centering moment for you, right? So, so I can see that, man. I feel that. <laughs> Dang, that's awesome, man. When it, in your experience, when, when it really kind of comes to hiring and management practices uh, with corporate America right now, are are you seeing companies shifting? Are you seeing that they're learning that you know having uh, uh, and cultivating an inclusive workplace is really um, it's just good for business. I'm so, I mean, it seems like they can save a lot of money at the same time. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm going to date myself here just a little bit. You know, it used to be called, <laughs> used to be called CSR, you know, corporate social responsibility today. It's right. more, it's more referred to as ESG environmental, social and governance. Right. Uh, you know, but I think one's actually just a measurement of the other. However, I do see that, you know, we're now in a world where, Social networking and platforms have really are really able to put pressure and awareness on organizations, right? 
And so from that side of it, I do see the message growing and I see bigger organizations, the Googles, the Amazons and and folks like that, right, that are really getting in there. And and again, I'm going to mention disability in and really they're really looking at how to include people with disabilities as part of creating social value, right? And I'm going to murder this statistic because it's it's one of my <laughs> one of my peers uh, is a gentleman named Matt Anderson. He runs our inclusive talent solutions side of the business, but he actually has metrics on how much more companies that have social inclusion as part of their as as part of their core values, how much better their shares perform versus companies that don't. And and so I'm not going to quote the statistic because I'll murder it and I don't (laughs) have it off offhand, but it's shocking, right? And I want to say on average, it's around 30% better. Wow. And and so it is dramatic, right? And so, but this is also one of those, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals for any organization, right? Yes. Right? So... Yeah, the infamous BHAGs, right? You know? BHAG, yeah. 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 (laughs) So in in saying that, yes, companies, especially large, you know, public companies are starting to recognize it, right? I I think there's still a lot of work in the in the medium and smaller size private private companies, but nobody's actually achieved the goal, right? And, And it will be one that we're always chasing, right? And there's been a huge change in the way, and this is really to the credit of the advocacy, right? We used to look at the world and there would be government set-aside contracts and there'd be these very kind of segregated procurement activities to create opportunities for people with disabilities, right? And today, that's not that's not the design, nor is it the goal, right? It's It's to really move from integrated to inclusive and inclusive is mm-hmm. is the this is a normal part of the workforce it's not yeah. seen as something that's set aside as special it, it's 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 an employee maybe it requires some accommodation some coaching and and those things but it's no different than any other employee right and that's really that's really a great message it's a great shift in perspective and it's going to be one that i think ultimately will help us change the world in, the, in this area, right? So, oh man, I love that. Hey, listen, all right, so we're gonna stop. We're gonna take a quick break. Okay. We're gonna thank some sponsors and then we'll be right back. CGP Maintenance and Construction Services Incorporated is not just a general contractor. They build, service, and maintain facilities while self-performing for some of the largest brands in the nation. With over 33 years in business, they've got what it takes to be the partner you deserve in today's fast-paced facility management marketplace. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Black, of course. And we are here with Chris Bunch at Pride Industries. And we're talking about an inclusive workplace uh, and including people with disabilities in that workplace and what that means for FMs. And then, and it's been, um, so far it's been really enlightening and for me and, and eye-opening uh, and, and, and kind of really understanding and learning about this. Um, you know, many companies, many businesses, especially people with high turnovers, uh, such as hospitality, uh, transportation, food service, they, they all struggle to find employees. I mean, right now, it, 
almost feels like everyone in this industry, uh, these type of industries are struggling hard. Uh, and they hit, they were hit hard, really hard during the peak of COVID. I say that because it's still a peak, it feels like, but it's been two years, so where you go, you know? So they've been struggling, they've been hurting. Um, is hiring people with disabilities a solution for these type of industries? Do you feel like that it's a good fit? Uh, I absolutely do believe it's a good fit, right? Um, one, kind of going back to our earlier commentary about retention, right? Uh, we, we have, you know, pride as part of our service deliveries. We do both food service. We do um, custodial, some of these very high turnover areas, right? And, you know, and some people in the custodial space, as an example, experience 300% turnover a year. And, wow. that, yes. and, and that's actually probably only increased under the COVID period because, to be honest, hourly wages have gone up at a rapid pace, right? And and for the first time in history, the hourly employee has leverage over over management in terms of wage determination and and price point, right? But you know, at our worst, we have sixty seven percent turnover in custodial, and and, wow. and that's on some of our most grueling and demanding contracts, like. Uh, Airports, which you can imagine during COVID, right? And some of, yes, some of, absolutely. And uh, some of our correctional hospital accounts, right? Places where the environment's very demanding. But, but by and large, going back to, to what I said before, if you can find a way to create an accommodating and inclusive environment for a person with disabilities, you're going to garner a loyalty and bonding to your organization that's unlike anything other that you're going to experience within the workforce. And and that's really what we've seen over the years as well. Um, it's a, I think we all, we've all experienced the, the pain of COVID in this, right? And, yeah. and, and so one of the things that I would just put out there for anybody that, that's looking for this as a solution, right, is first off, really understand what is your outsource versus in-source strategy? And that how do you do and do you approach this inclusion metric from a procurement perspective or from a human resources perspective? The impact's the same, right? And, and really, that's a choice in your organization of how much you feel that you have uh, the ability to help coach and, and mentor folks versus do you want somebody that's going to come in and do a program service, program service offering for you that's going to give you that social impact, right? And, and so just some decision-making from from the listener and their organization, how they want to approach their overall service delivery within FM, right? I, that's interesting. I mean, I literally was just going to, I was thinking about the strategies behind this and how do people start. And, I mean, it seems like some organizations have kind of figured this out mm -hmm. and, and maybe others not so much, well, <laughs> you know? And, you know, so within the FM environment, right, there, you can uh, approach it from two, two perspectives, right? I am an in-house FM delivery. I want to control each of the service offerings as much as possible. And in that, you know, you're more, you're probably 50-50 in those senses, whether you're going to pick an outsource model or, yeah. or a staffing model, right? And Pride offers, offers solutions either way. Um, where we've seen that we have the greatest impact and the greatest value to the customer, as well as value for people with uh, disabilities, is where we are your programmed FM provider. And the reason for that is, is that 
we can build a network of people with disabilities across the various service lines, right? You know, starting at custodial and landscaping, which has huge impact for people with pretty significant disabilities, right? We're able to include a lot of folks within that. But as you go up the service chain, you go into the O&M, you go into these other things, right? The, the, the nature of the, the disability changes, you start to see a lot more disabled veterans come in with high trade skills and, and some of these things. And what we found where we have the biggest impact on both sides of the equation, the bottom line for the customer, as well as the bottom line for people, is where we provide you an inclusive FM service delivery because it allows us to create the most supports at the most cost-effective manner and have the greatest, greatest impact both ways. Man, that's cool. I guarantee you that most people have not even thought about this. It's just, it just, it, it's nothing. I've been in FM and working in FM really for seven years now. It's not, it's, it's a little mm-hmm. bit, but there's people I've talked to who have been doing this for 20 plus years, right. 30 years. And this is not even a subject that's ever come up in our conversations. Well, and, and it's pretty. It's pretty and, and think about this to your earlier statistic, right? If you go to IFMA World Workplace, or if you go to BOMA, or you go to any of these places, and and they're talking about the leaders in the industry, it is truly it's a little bit harrowing and a little nerve wracking, right? Because there are so many great and skilled leaders that are leaving out, or that are they're retiring yeah. out, they're aging out of the workforce. Yeah. Um, they're the body of knowledge, right? And so there's going to be this great void that, that that's just around the corner, right, uh, of knowledge in the workplace and, and how do we shepherd these portfolios of buildings into the future. And there's so many challenges ahead of us, right? And this is purely on the FM side, right? You're thinking about how, yeah. how do you use the space? How do you make sure the space is sanitized, the air is clean, and, and create create a world where people are comfortable to come back, right? And so I really do see that in, in that challenge is an opportunity to, to really change the way you service the space, right? And, and to change the workforce there. And so from a pride perspective, we want to be there to obviously be a solution for you, right? And, and yeah. not only shepherd that portfolio of the built environment forward for you, but also to do good for these individuals with disabilities, right? And so such a such a cool thing to be able to do, man. One of the things as I was looking into this, uh, and, and it kind of reminded me of something that you brought up a little bit ago, which was kind of like the skill level or the you know that a lot of these people with disabilities have already. Um, and so I was doing some research, came across a report from the Council of Dis- on Disability. This is crazy. It said uh, people with disabilities have nearly twice as much education attainment as people without disabilities. Boom. What? Wow. That That's crazy. And, and that's crazy. I mean, that is crazy. And actually, that's a statistic I never heard, Sean. So I, I would love yeah. to get that from you. That That's amazing. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's and, you know, I, I think that's probably true of any workforce or any individual that has greater, greater barrier to getting to the same place. Right. They're going to work harder. They're going to try harder. They're going to find ways to to put themselves above above the barrier, right? And, and that's something that I think. Uh, wow, I, I almost don't even know how to respond to it because I had never heard that. <laughs> I know, that's a lot too. Um, I'll say to you, man. I couldn't believe. It. I was like, well, I mean, it makes sense, kind of in a way, just based on uh, 
if the, if they're experiencing a barrier that they would invest more yep. into overcome overcoming that barrier well, too. Well, and uh, you know, I'm not a social media genius, but I will tell you this. So the <laughs> other day, as I, I was just kind of cruising through Facebook, and a video came on of, of an individual. He is an HVAC technician, and you want to talk about the 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 mindset of solution over the mindset of barrier, right? And so this individual, he had actually he was a dual amputee. Uh, Dude, we saw oh, that video. Is that not an amazing video? But so that is the coolest thing. Ever. Yeah, yeah, so, 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 so cool. this individual, I mean, he was actually a member uh, of, I believe, the Steam and Pipe Fitters Union. I can't recall what local, but it showed him basically clearing tubes on a, on a chiller, right? And so he comes in, and and rather than oh, I, I'm a dual amputee, this is hard to do, he had created. A, a new set of attachments to where he'd take his legs off and he put on these little pads and he worked at the perfect level to, to go in here and clear these tubes. And it was the, it, it, awesome. it was the most awesome video. Gosh, I wish I would have captured that. It, it, but I am. Uh, it, it. It, it was, it was so perfect for this conversation yeah, oh, too. It was. And so when you, when you think <laughs> about that, right. And, and especially, you know, kind of going back to the disabled veteran population right there there's uh i think that's a huge area of opportunity across the workforce you know especially coming out of a, a couple of conflicts where where there this is a very impacted population of people with disabilities that if organizations could begin to recruit from the military not once they're out but as folks are transitioning sure. understanding what yeah. skills transfer over you you will not only bring in a high number of people that are disabled, but a high number of people that already knows what it's like to work in a very disciplined and programmed environment. Uh, but yeah, yep. that, that video was amazing. Uh, if I could share that thing all over the world, I would, it's, it's it, it is incredible. So Dude, I'm going to find that and we'll send that. We'll, we'll add that to this. Yeah. I'm going to put that up because that was such a, an inspiring video. I watched that and, uh, and it's so, it's so funny that it came up just literally I think I saw it two days ago, uh, and and I saw it. I was like, "Wow, that that's really cool!" And it reminded me of this conversation. So that's so funny that you yeah. saw that. Yeah, that video was awesome. I think man. it was about two days that ago dude, as well for me. Yeah, but uh, it was that dude was working. Yeah, it was. I was like, "Man, that's smart." It was. It was so smart. <laughs> and, and yeah, so so when you when you know, I would show that video to anybody that has a because it it is a question that comes up, right? Is how do you yep. how do you anticipate doing this kind of work with people with disabilities? And uh, I think that video video go. says everything you need to say. You know, he he looked at that his job from a perspective of how do I get things done? How do I not really even comp? It was actually almost an augmentation for this individual. It made it, it made it him be- better at his job, right? Yes, it, yeah. Yeah, you had to bend over. He was at the, literally a perfect height. Yeah, and I was like, man, that's genius. It is. It is that. That's taking a disability and turning it into an advantage. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really cool, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's so fun. I'm going to send it to every one of my right, engineers buddy. that says they don't know how to punch tubes. So he's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, now what? Yeah, what do you got to say now? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. All right, Chris, we're going to wrap up here in a little bit. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you could give one piece of advice uh, to people who are struggling right now to fill positions, 
and are looking to start this kind of initiative? Like, what what would you tell them? Uh, I'd probably go back to what I said before, right? Is it's kind of a twofold answer, right? First, understand what your in-source versus outsource strategy is, and then find partners that know how to do either one of those. Pride has solutions Perfect. for both. There's others in the industry to do as well. But but it really starts with you making a decision, recognizing the need, thinking outside the box at the uh, what's possible, right? So, great answer. I love that, man. That was actually uh, perfect advice. Um, okay, man. So we're out of time. All right, we we did it. We, we all, it goes so fast on this show. It's so crazy. I feel like this is a subject that you could really keep talking about forever. It's it's such a, a um, an impactful thing that you guys do over at Pride. Uh, and I'm super excited to have had you on the show. Thank you for joining yep. me, man. That was that was awesome. Thank you very much, Sean, for having me. Thanks to the listeners, and uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, for those uh, listeners out there that want to learn more about Pride and they want them to be able to connect with you, how, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you or, or Pride? Well, so if you're trying to just get to Pride and learn more about who we are and what all we offer, prideindustries.com. It'll take you to any one of our service deliveries, any of our lines of business. And, and there's multiple ways to, to find out how to, to be in contact with us. If you want to contact me personally, definitely reach out. I'm out on LinkedIn. Uh, there's more than a couple of Chris Bunches out there, but uh, I think I think mine's Chris Bunch, DBA, CFM, PMP. There's a few alphabet soups yeah. after that. <laughs> so so uh, reach out on LinkedIn, uh, more than happy to connect and more than happy to network with any of you and to find solutions for your organization. Awesome, man. Well, listen, we will make that easier. I'll put that uh, a link on the show uh, and, and the show notes. And, uh, you know, we'll share this everywhere. I, I really, I think what you guys is doing is amazing. Oh, man. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work. Uh, and I will definitely would love to hear more from you. We'll have you guys back on, get an update, you know, and and uh, and see how things are going. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, for everyone who is listening out there, hey, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, give us a like. We would love to hear from you, too. So uh, don't forget, hit subscribe. Leave us a question if you have something like this. If you want to hear more uh, about, uh, you know, FM and, and people with disabilities uh, and more from Chris, let me know. If you have questions for Chris, you can leave it there, too. And then, of course, if you're watching this on YouTube uh, or in one of our other video platforms, hit the like. If you if we're giving you the content you're looking for, you know, let us know. That's how we uh, that's how we know we're doing a good job. And then sit, uh, hit the little bell for notifications so you know when we have great videos coming out uh, from amazing people like Chris over at Pride. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. We'll, we'll see you yeah, next thanks. time, buddy.